0: Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're off in the hills today behind our town. This morning, Pete was telling me all about the, the many, many difficulties of being a Nietzschean socialist belonging to the Labour Party in 2022. And <laughs> as he was going on, I was thinking, oh, this could be an interesting project. So I dragged him off into the hills so he could tell you all about it. So let's begin. First of all, what is a Nietzschean socialist? Let's begin there.
1: An oxymoron, <laughs> a living, breathing, walking oxymoron. <laughs> and I'm sure that's the response you would get from any anybody on on some kind of section of the left who would say, "No, impossible." And uh, I'm not actually a Nietzschean socialist because I'm not any kind of (laughs) anist. And certainly not a Nietzschean, you know. It would be very un-Nietzschean to be a Nietzschean. To be a Nietzschean, you have to say I'm not a Nietzschean. Because he'd think you were cheap if you were just following somebody. So, but nevertheless, you know, there's some, there's some kind of reasonable approximation in Nietzsche and socialists.
0: And what approximation would that be?
1: Well, I think you can take uh, Nietzsche quite seriously at the same time that you take Marx quite seriously and at the same time as you take Freud quite seriously and at the same time as you take Dar- Darwin quite seriously. For you know, somebody like me, that you, yeah, you, uh, you, know, you look around, and it spans of history are no obstacle in this world. You know, we, we can look around. We can look at what people were thinking 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet, and that we, we do have a, an archive of human thought. You know, and To my mind that it can overwhelm you, and that's a danger that it presents, but it can also contain a whole range of tools that you might want to use in trying to establish your own understanding of the world and the human world and politics and the economy that supports all that. You know, you might want to arrive at your own understanding as best you can. In order to know what to do, (laughs) what is to be done, because One thing is certain, business as usual is not an option, you know. So there are certainly aspects of nature which I think are not not that interesting or just plain wrong, you know. But there are also whole countries of, of, of thought and imagination which do seem very relevant and help us to uh, f- form a picture of, of uh, pretty well all of the features of our modern our modern life world, our, our modern world, and the stories that flow around it. So that's Nietzsche, and socialists, well, you know, go the workers up the revolution.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, it's just... Gross inequalities of wealth and power which the current capitalist stroke post-capitalist system uh, produces, enhances and intensifies is a part of business as usual not being an option. It creates too much instability, it destroys the ecosphere. and it, 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 its best attempts at cultural production just produce horrible fragmentation and culture wars. So, it's socialism or barbarism, it's just a truism. It, it's obvious, I'm taking that as, as a foundational truism, socialism or barbarism. Then we can see what we can do with what we've got. But the current situation, not good. Now, why I thought of myself as a Nietzschean socialist was because I've been trying to figure out what uh, centrists, particularly centrists in the Labour Party, are about and to try and give an account of the conceptual architecture that holds the whole thing together. And it strikes me that uh, one of those features that holds it together in some kind of coherent or semi-coherent form is the way in which the proponents always take it for granted that public opinion won't change ever, that the economy won't change ever. And we take these as givens. And our job is to accommodate ourselves to those givens. Whereas I would say a socialist it would be committed to changing those givens would work right from the outset with the presumption that they can be changed by persuasion, by political action by all the political conversations that happens when you start community building you know, particularly when you know, in times of, of multi-crisis like the ones we live through we're pretty well in any part of the United Kingdom some bit of community building would not go amiss just on the simple human level keeping life ticking over in some sort of moderately acceptable form for now until we can change the whole fucking sick system. And it's then at that point, at that point in the story I'm telling myself about centrism making the wrong presupposition. Not even knowing that they're doing it is what I kind of notice as well. But where you get Nietzschean here is when you realise that the centrist labour is asking the labour movement, he's asking the workers to to accept the system as is and to accept mass public opinion as is. And then Uh, commit to voting for a party that will give them a few crumbs from the table a few more crumbs than they're getting now from the table and that is the promise of of, of a centrist labour party you can have a few more crumbs from the table but capitalism's keeping going and we'll do whatever it takes to keep it going up to and including war but I kind of think if, you, if, you're, if you're on, if you're one of these like weird people that's pretty, pretty left but still in the Labour Party for some reason or another, which you are, because the which moment are? you've decided
0: oh, yeah. to stay because of because of Welsh Labour, yeah,
1: I consider myself a member of Welsh Labour, the the Westminster Parliamentary Labour Party. Most of them can fuck themselves; <laughs> they're despicable people, in my honest opinion. I don't like any of them and they're not representing my interests or the interests of the the working class you know at all, apart from this little promise of a few more crumbs a few more crumbs from the table, everything else stays the same but a, a nature w- w- would say to any working class person ac- accepting of that as being the way forward you, you are in a position of Reactive noyalism you could call it, you know. There's nothing we can do about this, that's the noyalism, And the reactive part is the fact that it is just a reaction, that you're planning on your political actions and, and your, your manifesto for whatever elections are coming up on, on the basis that nothing can be done, but we'll see if we can get you a few more crumbs. And nature would say, that's you know, don't be reactive. I mean, he had an idea of how a, how a person, particularly like a creative person or an artist should be. And they have to be active rather than reactive. I mean, you, you know, he did sort of run a bit with this sort of passive, active, reactive kind of distinction to the way that we use our will. And I think if you're kind of serious about class struggle and understanding it and, and then wanting to mobilise it you have to be kind of quite serious about the fact that the, the working class won't properly press its interest if it has no will to power no active will to power no ability to do no ability to fight without that what is it? ballot fodder you know in a corrupt electoral system so uh, that, that's the nature and part of me, that the socialist East in, in Welsh Labour. Fuck you, English Labour, whatever you call yourself. Welsh Labour, I can still kind of uh, trickle along with. I
0: think For a week or they, two. they just call themselves the new Tories, don't they? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, they just had a Tory bloke join in, didn't they? Yeah. What's he called? Christian... Wakefield. Wh- Christian Wakefield. Appalling voting record. It's about as reactionary as you can get. Says he's in library feels quite a time when he hasn't changed his values. Hooray! <laughs> and mm. and Liber puts out a little kind of red leaflet with him on it, picture of him on it, saying, Welcome to our newest MP. Whereas Jeremy Corbyn is still officially not a Liber MP. He's an MP who's a member of the Liber Party, who's not a member of the PLP. Jeremy Corbyn. God knows, you know, four decades in in in, in politics, you know, five decades, whatever, whole can lifetime in in politics, you know, anti-racism, internationalism, collective, you know, collective ownership of natural monopolies and goods and services, proper welfare, you know, trade unions. The guy's like he ticks nearly, he ticks nearly all the bloody boxes, you know. Yeah. And he can't. That's
0: why they hate him.
1: And, and he can he can't be in. in in a parliamentary Labour party, though he's in the Labour party. Whereas this this right-wing arsehole, unrepentant Tory wanted to, I don't know, embarrass Johnson, maybe, and you know, or maybe improve his own chances of getting re-elected in his Red Wall seat at the next election.
0: Well, yeah, the polls showed, actually, that um, in the as. next election, Labour would definitely win, because it's a Red Wall seat.
1: Yeah. And Brexit's so gone I think gone he off. Could
0: have just done it to save his own skin.
1: Yeah, that was just, that was what I was trying to get round to saying. He's, you know, the, he's probably an opportunist. I would say is the best explanation. You know, but he probably there might be an element of wanting to stick it to Johnson as well. You
0: know.
1: Yeah. But I thought, stick it to Johnson. Look a Northern Conservative. I don't know what he did before. He's a hedge fund manager or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know a lot of people love Johnson certain kind of person, they they resonate to the smell of his pheromones or what the fuck. This is just the weirdness of life, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and others are absolutely pathologically hating because he's an irritating, um, fucking posh, tough. (laughs) And this guy, this Christian whatever the fuck he's called, might be one of them for all I know. You know. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there, and, yeah, that nonsense, to be honest with you. But it's... uh, That's the centrism of the Labour Party. And you can see how it falls to the right. It falls to the right. You know, know, when push comes to shove, it it goes defend the status quo. And that's the way in which it falls to the right.
0: And a question that's being endlessly asked is uh, what should socialists do? So should the socialists now just leave the Labour Party in disgust? Um, should they stay and try and change it? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I
1: don't know. I kind of a, a, a vacillate. I mean, I, I've never been in a political party until uh, I wanted to vote for Jeremy Corbyn in the leadership. Yeah, it's, me neither. And so, so we, yeah. we both joined to vote for Jeremy Corbyn in the leadership. I'd never thought I'd got a, got a home in, in, a, in any political party. I'd been a trade union rep in my workplace, you know, which was quite a, a bit of, uh, you know, very, very grassroots politics, and that was, that was politics for me, you know. Interested in political philosophy and social organisation, for sure, and the way it all works, yeah, for sure, but not a party. So I joined, and then, of course... Suddenly you're an anti-semit, you know. And just yesterday, uh, Rachel Rees called, called people like us anti-semites. <laughs> you know, you're saying that we, we, the, the ones that they've lost, the ones that have left, because Starmer is evidently not going to keep his promise. Well, he to... keeps promises. Yeah, he's his, his, like. his prom- his promised to follow the 2019 manifesto. It's, mm. it's pretty well gone out the window, that. Yeah as as, as they, they've gotten lurching further and further to the, the the centre, which is really the right. You know, yeah. The centre is the right, you know. The centre is the All of the right, really. Because <laughs> with the extreme nutters, you know that they're extreme nutters because they can't hide it. In the right, you get smarmy buggers. They can kind of look like reasonable human beings. But they're kind of like monsters from some seventh Bardo hell, you know. The, the realm of hungry ghosts or something. Most of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've
1: got to revolutionise British politics.
0: Well, absolutely.
1: Ex- expect it to fragment rather than re- than reunite. I think the forces are still centrifugal rather than centripetal, whichever way around that goes. You know,
0: so, if we look at, say, what would happen in either of those two instances, so all the socialists leave, what you know, what what kind of uh, future we could be looking into, or if they all stay and do their best to change it, and maybe even pile in with, uh, you know, behind someone who's really yeah. got some ideas for, yeah. for mobilising change. So, first of all, if they all leave in disgust, I I can't really see there being much hope for the Labour Party if ever. <laughs>
1: just being a. They're just going to
0: go further and further to the right, aren't they're they? are just going
1: to carry. Well, there'll they'll be a limit. They, they're they're presenting themselves in a certain fashion, you know. But with politics, you've got to bear in mind that what they say they're going to do and who they are isn't what they will actually do and who they will be. No. Would they get power or even in, you know, five years down the line? Fuck me. The, you know, the, the landscape, the commitment landscape, you might call it, shifts every five minutes. Yeah. In in with you know with the speed with which the information can go fucking hurtling around these days, you know.
0: So if they all left, I mean those those socialists would want to be uh, doing something. So yeah. I think it would be probably inevitable that a new party would form if, if they it, really b- all did. They, they,
1: it might do. I yeah. mean, there are un-
0: there are uh, big pros and cons for that. I mean, the yeah. worst case scenario is that yeah. they split the vote between Labour and the new party where all the socialists went to and, and the tories win forever <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the tories win forever anyway
0: well yeah so
1: i'll tell it's, yeah. wor- it's worth the risk and people say third party never does anything it's not strictly true one third party did do something quite major and that was the labor party itself because mm. it started out as the third party prior to that it was the whigs and the tories the whigs are, are, are what we would now call the liberals or the liberal democrats Though the original political parties, as party politics grew up in in England, were uh, Whigs and Tories, you know, Labour's 19th century, whatever it is, you know, and early 20th century. And then it starts to get a bit of purchase because working men got the vote as well, you see. You know, more working men got the vote and then working women did it and so on. So it worked like that.
0: But it took them quite... A long time to, to get the kind of power that they've got now. There, did, didn't yeah, it did, yeah. And I don't suppose we've got so many years to wait.
1: No, we haven't. This um, time. And, and yes, yes, it did. And it wasn't just the party. The party was the, the parliamentary wing of the Labour movement, you know, which consisted of co-ops, self-help groups, and trade unions, you know, trade unions, organised Labour, people combining together to exert a will to power to, you know, to get sort of you know, a, not, a, not, a, not a reactive will to power but an active will to power I would say unfortunately that, it, that the will to power of the, the union movement wasn't always active sometimes it was reactive and protective and that, you can see that's that possibility of flipping there or having to mix the, t- the two the active and the reactive it's sort of built into trade unionism per se because that's you know the workers of the group without the power who combine to try and get some power, so they're on the back foot. They're on the defensive to start with, you know, and they'll make gains and they'll try and keep them. So that's you know, but the nurturing things enables you to understand the way that your will is working, and that works for a collective will just as much as for an individual's will. You can figure out are we react? Are we just reacting here? In which case they might have given us that stimulus to get us to react like this. To divert us over there, Also, we'll, they'll go over the other side, where, you know, now that they've diverted us. You know, don't be reactive, be active. and it, You know, I think it would do lefties quite to, uh, a bit of good to understand that distinction. And so I say to centrists, you know, the job isn't just to accept public opinion, whatever that is. The, the economy and the economic system, whatever that is, just like that, as though we can never change them. The point is that is where we should be pushing for change all the time. There, you know. Otherwise, you're just you are defending at the end of the day the capitalist status quo. And should you think, do you think you should, on that basis, be in a, a workers' movement? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something that, that, that claims to represent. Labour, the labouring class, old-fashioned language, you know, but people who depend on on their work, on the sweat of their brow. Whether that's intellectual work, manual work, craft work, or whatever, creative work.
0: Then I suppose we've got the other option. So the socialists remain and perhaps even ramp up the membership
1: mm. oh, that with would an be... aim
0: to really try and change the La- the Labour Party from within. Mm. But if they do manage to vote in quite a lot of left-wing MPs,
1: mm.
0: I mean, what's to stop Starmer just um, just sacking them or just doing, doing what he did to Jeremy Corbyn yeah. you know, with no reason?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know? the scenario you just outlined would, would be met with absolutely fierce resistance Fiercer than Corbyn met because this time they would, they would see it as a rerun of the Corbyn thing mm. right. I mean, how that happened was Ed Miliband bought in the associate membership The £15 membership, which was the first thing we went for Yeah and it enabled you to vote, but you weren't like a full member. So you, were, you got to your constituency's party. I don't think you got much of a look in like that. But, but you could vote for the leader. So, so, so it was, Ed Milligan got that passed at conference. So um, when Jeremy Corbyn got on the ballot, the, the word of mouth went round you know, join the Labour Party for 15 quid, let's get this bloke in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dan Harris told me that. I mean, I'd, I'd heard, you know, I'd, I'd heard what Corbyn was up to a little bit, you know, when you sort of half hear the news sometimes, you know, or half read the newspaper, I wasn't that interested. And I think it was Dan Harris, he said, uh, oh yeah, 15 quid in the Labour Party, and vote for this guy, and Brendan, you know, they they, they 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 were all excited about it, and so loads of people went and put their 15 quid in to, vote, to make sure the guy got a, a look in at least, I don't think there's anybody more surprised than Corbyn, was there? (laughs) You know. But there he was, it was fair and square, and they challenged him twice, and he still fucking retained it. Because of those people joined who wanted that kind of a party to represent them in Parliament, and to take hold of state power, possibly, which he very nearly fucking did. You know. And to offer policies based on, on... Economics, you know, on an understanding of the economy and on an understanding of class struggle. Which is what the Macdonald, John Macdonald and uh, Jeremy Corbyn manifesto was, you know. It was on the terrain of economics and people's economic interests and took the side of the working class. That's what it was, you know. Storm has abandoned all that and, he's t- and turned, it in, turned the mission into values, and, and it's turned the struggle into, into, uh, into, into something that's about values. Values inverted commas, he's got these kind of thrice,
0: very vague values. You know, drained yeah.
1: up by Mandelson or some person of that ilk, some sort of PR person. You know, should ask Dominic Cummins if they want a slogan that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I can't even remember it. It's completely unmanageable. One, one, one of them's respect, you know. So that's the big, the big thing, respect. It's not like the price of fuel, the price of keeping your house warm, the pr- price of feeding the kids.
0: Yeah, ending child poverty.
1: You know. And that's what they've done, they've shifted it onto that terrain, again, that is a move to the right. Which only suits a right-wing party.
0: So do you think that the... uh, Because the the, the people who want... a a difference, who want a socialist country, Mm. with socialist values, Mm. They want to be putting their energy into a particular course of action, which is going to be the most efficient for the energy that they've got, right? So we've just outlined mm. these. There's a bit more options than just what we've put here. But mm. would you think that if we did stay in the Labour Party and really tried to change it from within, is that ultimately going to be a waste of effort? Or do you think they, they would stand a chance? Or is it better for them to put their energy in a different direction?
1: And, you know, as I said, I really don't know.
0: Maybe they should all move to Wales.
1: I really don't know. Join
0: Welsh Labour.
1: It, it's, a bit, it's a bit less ambiguous in, in Wales. But there's still ambiguities, because we're still part of the UK party, and we send an MP to uh, San Stefan, as they call it, yeah, you know, Westminster. You know, from our constituency, we have a representation in Westminster... This the you know the Welsh nationalist MP of this constituency of the size of Australia. <laughs> so you know, it's, it, you really got to work. You got you got to work it out. I mean, the the party. I mean, the Tories are fractured as well. Maybe something is happening to the party system. You know wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Well,
0: there's very big changes going on yeah. right now. and
1: there, there, are, there are little parties. I mean, George Galloway's back on with his... I think he's the workers' party got, but I, I wouldn't... He's a good orator, George, but I, I don't like his politics, you know, and no. I don't think it's going to fly. You, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to fly. And there's a, there's a couple of the, the Breakthrough Party... And they basically want stuff that was on the 2019 Labour Party manifesto. The Northern Independence Party, you know. Of course, Scotland's going to be rattling around, around now, you know, because they've got they've got a Holyrood majority of parties in the in this kind of rough. It's not a coalition, but a rough um, agreement with the Scottish Nationalists. to to be able to form a government. And both of those parties are uh, pro-Scottish independence. Westminster, under the Tories, the Tory Westminster is saying to them, you've had one referendum, it was a once in a lifetime and you voted to stay, so fuck fuck off. But of course that that creates a constitutional problem for, well, does Holyrood have the authority to call a referendum? This is a Catalonia-type situation, you know. And, and, and Wales. I mean, excited people in Wales. You, English people living over there. I've said to a few people, "Say, you know, Ireland reunites, which could happen, given the demographic changes that are taking place on the island of Ireland. In your lifetime, you'll see a united Ireland, surely. Scotland goes independent. Do you want to live in Wengland? <laughs> And yeah. you, you know, and everybody reacts the way that you do. You just, you just laugh. Like, you're kidding. Fuck off. Yeah. Mostly, apart from real blimps, you know. And I haven't actually spoken, I know they exist, but I haven't spoke, spoken to any of them. <laughs> so it's up. To, it, it really is up to you. And the circumstances differ you know, in Different parts of the, the country in Oxford. But I mean, there's still loads to do. You know, join the union, set up a branch where you work, or if you're a precariat worker try and contact and form a WhatsApp group or something of that type and you can still unionise you know we have to think a little bit differently about the way we do it in the what night you do that if you want to be on left politics but you can't you don't like any of these little parties and um, you're, really sick, you're really sick of Labour and think that there's, there is isn't room for a minute to manoeuvre hardly you know I do, I do think that, that you know, the, the broad church idea, and is bound to arise, obviously, in a first-past-the-past past system. But Labour's broad church is too broad to function. You know, and since they, they first managed to form a government, you know, we've still largely lived under Tory governments. They haven't managed to... I don't know really break that hegemony you know of that of that particular cabal of arseholes and okay you could argue that without them the capitalists would be extracting even more flesh from us you know it would be two pounds of flesh it's now only a pound of flesh thanks to labour you know who got us the five day a week and the minimum wage and stuff like that you know So I don't know. I think it's up to it's, it's, it's up to individuals and 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 their circumstances as well. You know, it's if I was in Wolverhampton, I'd have been gone ages. I don't want anything to do with them. You know, any of them, oddly. Some 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 of the left the left wing group, you know, the socialist group in uh, in Westminster not too bad. Even somebody tolerant might like making only tax how many insults, you know, before you tell, before you flick somebody the finger. Yeah.
0: So going back to option one, all the socialists leave, mm. and maybe just just dissipate, and they don't really they don't really do much. What's our country going to look like? Yeah, that 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 is sort of what happened
1: with uh, when many when, when look. It's really obvious that Mrs Thatcher was going to have her feet under the table for a couple of terms at least. How long was she in? Was like 11 years or 10 years or something. And then there were some years of John Major after that. But quite a few sort of lefties retreated into private life. Just retreat into private life. Dig your allotments. If you committed political animal, will maybe become, become a local councillor, which you could do. You know, working your trade union, if you got those kind of urges, you know, and, and the disposition to do that kind of thing, and uh, that could happen again. And, for uh, oh, I, I I think I think it'll be pretty, pretty bad for there to be no sort of organisation, you know. But it might be, we might be having to. Think about completely different styles of organisation. You know, but, and why, why I'm say, saying this is because I think the, the 70s, 79 to 90, Mrs Thatcher, it was pretty, pretty bad in many, many ways, you know. And, and the, the, the change they made to, to the economic system, you know, enabling the, the global neoliberal project to, to leap forward, sort of quite quickly in in the UK, particularly, mainly through smashing union power, the power of the organised working class, you know, and, and and disbanding and dispiriting the left, you know, and demoralising the left for a generation. So pe- people. You know, ordinary sort of working people who took a bit of an interest, retreated into, you'd retreat into private life. And Thatcherism's genius, was it? Give us the tools to do that. Oh, yeah, we'll let you buy your council house or we'll, we'll lean on the, the mortgage lenders t- to make sure that we've got more working-class homeowners because they'll vote for us. You know? So that
0: was kind of going the opposite way with this lot, is not it?
1: Well, you see, I'm saying, it's, it's, uh, what I was trying to illustrate there, that there was a, there was a kind of a an, a levelness and an evenness about the way things were transpiring over a decade, you know, as, as neoliberalism took, took its hold, you know. It, it was death by a thousand cuts, literally a thousand cuts, you know. So all that's happening... Yeah, what I'm saying about that, what what my little story is trying to illustrate, is like the sort of gradual nature of it and how life went on. And there were some compensations. Buy your house, be proud of it, decorate it, landscape the garden. You know what I mean? There's a whole lot of private life to retreat into. But I'm trying to illustrate the gradual nature of it, you know, and, and, and... OK, it did get hairy at times, you know, the conflict with the miners. That was very, very violent. People died in there. And the industrial landscape of the United Kingdom was transformed by it. it a union power, which had been quite strong, was pretty well neutralised by the, the confrontation between uh, Mrs Thatcher's government and the, the, uh, the National Union of Mine Workers. But for a lot of people, it just sort of tri- just trucked along, you know. That we we're not in that fortunate position. There's too many cataclysms <laughs> actually unfolding right now for it to apply. Plus, okay, the the a abroad church of necessity because of the first past the post electoral system. But so guess what? So are the Tories, as we're witnessing, twas ever thus, you know. But. Uh, you know, I think people in the left didn't realise it because they didn't want to take too close a look because it makes you shudder too much. Mm. You know, yeah. but it ties ever thus. You know, they're they're a broad church as well, and uh, I think knowing that and seeing its anatomy up close as we are doing at the moment, yeah. <laughs> as, as they break out as these conflicts break out into the open. We should be, um, we should be studying that quite closely and, and, and using it as ammunition, you know. Because, I mean, the, the, the tactic of dispersing the left through, through the, the smears and attacks on Corbyn and, and the Labour left, you know, the right knows how to do it just divide and rule get them fighting amongst themselves and it, look okay, how well that worked you know and what, what do you have to do to that I oh, don't know just concoct a few lawyers you know <laughs> mm.
0: like the sunlit uplands of Brexit <laughs>
1: yeah like that yeah lines lion's part of the toolkit for them so but they're riven and we know and if we Understand how they're even, and and I think it's possible to do that. It's possible to figure out what the the factions really are, and then you fa- you know where the fissures are to just insert something and give it a little wiggle. You know, yes, they did it to us; we should do it to them. <laughs>
0: well, they did it with the the aid of like nearly all of the uh, the, the mainstream media, the press. They? Yeah. uh, This is what? Let's face it, the the people who actually decide who run the country is like the Daily Mail, really. (laughs) Isn't it?
1: (laughs) Well, it's it's probably the sun, but not for much longer, I doubt. Yeah. Well,
0: it's it's the mainstream media, it's like the, you know, the the Daily Mail, the sun, those those sort of newspapers are the ones that, that really... Form our pictures, That's right. or, or, and uh, our opinions, our
1: world world view. Yeah, yeah. There's an enormous amount of money spent on on trying to form the world view of uh, the average citizen. You know, or I kept saying it, control the mob. You know, by controlling its thought. And I kept saying, who controls information? Controls the world. You know, I mean, there are other factors. You know, but uh, <laughs> in power. But certainly, controlling information is such, is such a huge one. And that's why we've got, we've, uh, with our active will to power, our nature and socialism, we've got to build, build the new media, create them imaginatively, you know, and with passion. And we've got to do that. That's a priority. The young people probably understand that, but pe- people our age don't understand it to quite the same degree. But that's, you know, that's where there will be much struggle.
0: Uh, but I think I think also um, there's just about to be a pretty important episode in our lives where it's not just the media that's going to form our opinions, but reality's going to get a bit of a look in for a change.
1: <laughs> Never.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. All the, uh, the Brexit lies are really going to come home to roost because oh, oh, we're yeah. just about to see an epic fucking disaster <laughs> on the Brexit front which was very, very definitely not what the, the Brexit voters were promised in any shape or form. I mean, the queues of lorries tied up with the new Brexit red tape, carrying vital supplies to, into, into our country you know they're so big; you can see them from space.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Epic disaster.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm 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 amazed that the uh, that even even now, uh, as this is very early, in as the new rules just came in at the uh, on the first of January.
1: Yeah. we uh, cop- We still got weeks. food
0: here, actually. Oi. Food Oi. and medicines. I'm surprised there are that there, there is any. But it's just getting worse and worse and worse by the day and also reports coming in of uh, um, Boris loving Brexit supporting fanatics are now actually seeing the reality. Yay. Because their business is drowning in the new Brexit paperwork, which is just so <laughs> complicated and difficult. You need about 200 forms just to import a tomato now, <laughs> right? Every time. not You don't just fill them out once and the tomatoes keep coming. You fill them out, ev- like, every time. It's, like, absolutely incredible.
1: Every tomato, a single tomato has got its own <laughs> unique um, idea. I do um, bar-coded, hashtagged and Q- QR-coded Yeah. with his own little microchip just just popped yeah. under the skin round by the, uh, the little spiky bit
0: so people people who were in the position of having a nice healthy business and could be you know, they, they could love Boris and all these jolly japes and and be completely convinced of all the marvelous opportunities that Brexit was going to bring us but it, this this is a very unique scenario here because usually when the have got these fantastic lies um, you can kind of keep them running for a really long time that 's the train train going through the town. <laughs> But with Brexit, the reality is going to be completely transparent to everybody very soon, and certainly any businesses that—I mean, you know—you saw interviews uh, usually well on the uh, the more alternative media, but on non-mainstream media as well, like just after after the Brexit vote, of business owners proudly talking about how they would. Brexit was worth it. They're voting Brexit for their grandchildren and how proud they are and how much they're looking forward to our new Brexit future. And then, you know, going back and interviewing those same people and their businesses are virtually destroyed now. Mm. Especially the fishing industry, the shellfish industry, Mm. (laughs) absolutely destroyed. Mm. So they're seeing the reality of Brexit and it's only a matter of time before everyone else pretty much is like up to their eyeballs in it as well
1: indeed well we're almost uh, down into the town now so thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed that
0: yeah a little bit of advice just quietly buy a little bit of extra shelf stable food <laughs> without being obvious don't rush in and panic by just quietly <laughs> stock up a little bit just a oh cover your back.
1: You don't want to be caught without some beans in your store, do you? Aye.
0: All anyway, right. yeah, oh, uh, a <laughs> bit of a ramble as we're so we, we wandering around the hill, and uh, I hope you're all okay. I'll speak to you soon.